Well, then what makes you so special? <laughs> no, it, 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 hang on, Chuck. That's the question I want to save for the show. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on Ruby developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average Ruby developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Ruby Rose. This episode is sponsored by CodeShip.com. Don't you wish you could simply deploy your code every time your test pass? Wouldn't it be nice if it were tied to a nice continuous integration system? That's CodeShip. They run your code. If all your tests pass, they deploy your code automatically. For fast, free continuous delivery, check them out at CodeShip.com. Continuous delivery made simple. Snap is a hosted CI and continuous delivery that is simple and intuitive. Snap's deployment pipelines deliver fast feedback and can push healthy builds to multiple environments automatically or on demand. Snap integrates deeply with GitHub and has great support for different languages, data stores, and testing frameworks. Snap deploys your application to cloud services like Heroku, DigitalOcean, AWS, and many more. Try Snap for free. Sign up at snapci.com slash rubyrobes. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on salt-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code RubyRogues, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 203 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our podcast, we have Saranya Bar. Hey, everybody. David Brady. There once was a man from Peru whose limericks all ended on line two. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. We've got a special guest this week, and that is Sean Fiorito. Did hey I say guys. that right? Totally. You nailed it. You want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure. Let's see. I'm a developer. I've been like professional developer for the last 10 years. About two years ago, I quit my day job and started working full-time on a couple different products that I do, and I do a little bit of uh, consulting as well. That's basically what I do in a nutshell. We brought you on today to talk about design and sketching with CSS. <laughs> Right. And I know you have the book Sketching with CSS. Right. Do you want to kind of give us a thumbnail on that, and then we can start talking about some of the design stuff? Totally. I'll give you like kind of a background of the problem designers are facing these days, and then sort of the uh, the challenges that they run into, and that's how the, and how the book helps them. But the issue is designers, for the longest time, a web designer's job used to be to create what they called comps with Photoshop. So they get a project, they'd create a design comp in Photoshop, and then they'd give this basically picture of a website. Uh, they hand it off to a front-end developer who would then slice it up and uh, create a version of the website with CSS and HTML. So that worked for a very long time because uh, for the longest time, the web was running on basically the same machine over and over again, like uh, run those like beige PC boxes with the floppy disk drive. It's running like yeah. i6, i7, you know, standard monitor, very homogenous. And of course, that is not what the web looks like anymore at 
all today. It's running everywhere, and so websites are expected to run on all different kinds of devices. And so that's a challenge for a web designer who is uh, still using Photoshop as their primary tool. In fact, it doesn't really work. And so for a while now, for a couple years, there's been this, I guess I'll call it a mantra, that web designers should uh, design in the browser. And so this is this idea that web designers should skip using a tool like Photoshop altogether, maybe do some sketches, something like that, and then start creating their comps in code directly. Uh, and it's a good idea, right? Because, you know, as you're writing code, uh, you can actually see the site as it develops and like load it on all kinds of different devices and see what it's going to look like and sort of build it from the ground up to work on all these different devices. The problem <laughs> is that the adjustment going from using Photoshop all day to all of a sudden going straight to code, that's a real big problem for a lot of web designers. And that's because a lot of web designers, kind of most of them know how to code enough at least to get, you know, some version of a website working. But the big problem then comes when they need to sit down and uh, be creative while writing code at the same time. And a lot of web designers find that nearly impossible. And that's because there's just this whole wall of like technical stuff that they have to get over in order to get a pixel on the screen. There's just so much work that they have to do before they can even see any sort of result in their browser as they're starting. And then there's also a huge learning curve. Um, if you guys do front-end stuff, you know that the, <laughs> the world of front-end development has exploded in the last couple of years. And if you're experienced with it, it's hard to sort of see <laughs> that it's really complicated if you're just coming at it, you know, as, as a beginner. So there's this huge, massive learning curve. So then the book is essentially, it's like a, a light version of front-end development. It's specifically designed for web designers who are creating prototypes in the browser. So it's like all the tools that you can use, picking and choosing only the stuff that's going to help you get pixels to the screen faster. And that's uh, it's basically I'm creating a a set of tools that's easy to learn and uh, gets out of your way pretty quickly once you kind of get the basic idea of how they work. So then you can sort of, uh, it's a lot easier to be writing code and then see these results uh, as you're working. So that's that's the notion of the book, if that makes sense. So does it make sense now that I'm not a designer? That is actually very cool. And yeah, I was I was waiting to pounce on with you on you with. Well, if you're not a designer, what are you doing writing a book about design? But that actually makes total sense to me as a programmer, which is probably a bad thing from a design perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to say, this sounds uh, really great for complicating the lives of our designers, but <laughs> I'm a programmer. So does it work the other way? Like for me, moving to more design. toward design to make design more approachable. Because ah, well, because not- I look at I look at design and I'm just like, yeah, colors, yeah, and images, <laughs> and colors. Well, okay, so think about and it fonts. this way. I think fonts. that there's right. I think oh, that there's fonts. A, yeah, That's a limited bad. language that developers should learn in order to be able to communicate with designers. And it doesn't mean you have to be an expert designer, but. I think that there's a core set of concepts which you can learn to a certain degree, which would then make it easier for you to work with designers, if that makes sense. And so it's kind of the same thing applied the other direction from designers to developers. And that is, you know, once they 
Because that is one of the things with the book is that, and that was sort of controversial. I've had a lot of front-end developers complaining about this, but it's not the code that I say they should create. At the end of it is not something that's necessarily going to make it into production. Like if you're only working with modern browsers, then probably. But uh, I skew it to like talking about or worrying about maintenance, worrying about performance, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, code readability, stuff like that. Uh, I think that stuff is not important to the designer who's creating a prototype. But the big thing is, and the thing that I tell everybody,